Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into His Word. Let's jump right into today's message. We do want to welcome those of you that are watching online or perhaps you're listening on our podcast. Hope Covenant, could you put your hands together for our online viewers and listeners? It's great to have you this morning. I want to encourage you, if you're ever in the Charlotte area, stop by. Hope Covenant Church will make you feel right at home. We are today closing out this series. It's been a nine-part series. Last week, we had a move of the Spirit of God, so we just we postponed it to this week. And how many of you were here last week and, and just the presence of the Lord last week? My goodness, uh, I celebrated it all week long. But I believe that the Lord is going to speak to us this morning, and I believe we can encounter His presence through accessing His Word. I want to teach you some things as we close out this series. This is part nine um, of Blessed Are the Persecuted. This is actually Blessed Are the Persecuted, part two. So there, there's two parts, and I'm going to share with you why I think there's nine values. But uh, Father, I just thank you that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that we would receive your word. Lord, speak to us this morning. We believe that we're here to encounter you, and we already have at some level. But Lord, I thank you through your word that we would discover even deeper things about who you are in your spirit. Speak to us, Jesus. Unlock our ears in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Cool. So we've got the value system of Jesus, part nine. Blessed are the, are the persecuted. And uh, there's, I said to you, I've been saying all throughout the series that I believe there's nine parts. I think there's two different parts that Jesus teaches about blessed are the persecuted. And we talked about standing firm in part one of blessed are the persecuted. But part two, there's really a focus on the love of Jesus. And so I, I want to I focus on that today that I believe that's the second part uh, of this, of this nine-part series these are powerful, they're countercultural, they go against uh, the grain of, of what you might feel in, in society, what you might be observing in society. But I believe there's transformational statements that are made here that Jesus taught on the Sermon of the Mount. And I want to review all of the ones that we've gone over. The first one was, blessed are the poor in spirit. The second are, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are the persecuted. And this is the second part of that. Now, if you missed any of these, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them because this will change your life. This is, a, this is called the Beatitudes. And what Jesus was teaching us was his values and what he wants us to look like. What our character should look like. What should be on display for me as a Christian, as a believer of Jesus. Today, I want to discuss persecution from a different angle than we discussed in part one. I told you the, the first part, again, standing firm. I believe that you can stand firm and stand in love at the same time. And that's why I believe there's nine parts to this. Because I, I focus on the first one. And not that we're not to, to be firm in love. We are to be. But there's an emphasis put on that on the second part from Matthew 5, verse 11 to 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they say 
falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. How many of you have ever had smack talked about you? Yeah. How many of you, maybe that was this week, maybe that was this morning. You had all kinds of smack talked against you. The Bible says you're blessed when they do that to you because of me. In other words, when your character lines up with all the things that we just read, by the way, you can't get blessed or the persecuted. You're probably not receiving that if you're not living the first eight that we talked about, the first seven that we talked about, because really the eight and nine are the same just from different angles. You got to live those, those seven. And when you do, that's when you get eight. So when you look like Christ, that's when you'll receive persecution. And then I love this in verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Rejoice when you receive persecution. Be glad when you receive persecution. How many of you have ever been like, "Woo! they're talking smack about me. Come on, party. Not me. Not me. I'm like, I'm going to smack them. That's my natural reaction in the, in the flesh. But what the Bible is saying is in the spirit, we should get excited about that when it's because of the fact that we look righteous. In other words, if you're ticking somebody off and irritating them and provoking them, that's really not going to invoke God's blessing. But when you're demonstrating his character and you do that, it says rejoice and be glad if you've got your stuff together. Hey, guess what? This is a great thing. Congratulations. World's best coffee. You did it. We're getting to elf season. All my elf quotes are coming out. Last week, we discussed from the book of Daniel that we need to stand firm during times of persecution. And it's an, it's important, it's an important truth, but standing firm on God's word is a very, it's very needed in today's culture and society that we live in, that we know that we can stand firm, but also that we know that we can do this from a position of love. This week, I want to focus on the fact that you don't have to choose between standing firm and loving well. You can stand firm and be a person of love, just like Jesus did when he went to the cross. Daniel had the ability to stand firm as a Jewish believer. What I love about Daniel, though, is that he, he had great influence. I believe you can stand firm and display love from a position of influence. I believe you can do that. Jesus said, you'll be persecuted, but I want you to rejoice as a result. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. What does that mean, when I'm weak, then I'm strong? It's like, I don't understand. It's an oxymoron. What he's saying is, in your strength, in your flesh, when you're weak, when you tap into God's spirit, you are made strong that you can withstand the storm. You know, if I had to do a song today and pick it and put it on the list a little differently, it would be Cornerstone in Christ, uh, where it talks about standing strong in Christ. As soon as Jesus finishes this teaching on the Beatitudes on the very next line, and this is oftentimes left out of Beatitude teachings, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 16, and this is what I want to focus on today. This is the antithesis, and I want to say this, all the godly people in this church, you're note takers, so write this down if you would. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world, is the crux of verse 13. And then in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good deeds. In other words, all these things that we've been talking about in this series, they need to see those so that you could be a representation of Jesus. This is a commission. 
that you would live these values and take them out into the world. The hope of the Beatitudes is that the church looks so much like Jesus, they see our good deeds and want this relationship and this salvation. If you're not provoking people with your lifestyle of righteousness, that's a problem. That's why these Beatitudes, these values are so important. You can stand firm and have a godly response towards unrighteousness. This is all a part of exemplifying Jesus during times of persecution. And I want to say this, that as the world grows darker, if you're not tapped into Jesus, this is going to be more and more and more of a challenge for you. You won't make it if you're not tapped into Jesus. By his spirit is the only way we'll make it through. God's calling us to a different response than, than, to, than, than hatred during times of persecution. He's calling us to live in love when it feels like all is against us. You will notice anger and hostility has really ramped up over the past couple of years. Really, I think it's like 18 months. You'll notice that it's been a test of the emergency broadcasting system for the church. It feels like the rubber met the road, and, and we've, got, we've got every hater out there. It's, you've got, really, it looks like a political battle. Can I tell y'all, it's not about Biden versus Trump, or pol- it's not a political battle. This is a battle in the spirit. It's righteousness and it's unrighteousness. That's the, that's the issue right now that's at hand. I want to say that this counterfeit issue, we blame Trump, we blame Biden, we blame this one, we blame that one. It's Listen, take politics out of it. This is good versus evil right now. That's the problem. And you got to know that and you got to be able to identify that in the season that we're in. You know, someone on the road, just something very simply, like someone cutting me off. I had this happen on 485 just just a, a couple weeks ago, I, and I may have told you about this, but they, they sat there and they peeled me the banana. And I'll be honest with you, in the spirit, I wanted to peel it right back and be like, yeah, God bless you. You're number one too. But listen, holster that thing, you Christian. you got to understand that this is a test, and if you pass the test, the blessing of God is on you. You go, is it that simple? Yeah, God is watching. He's in the car with you. He's sitting next to you. And he doesn't even have a seatbelt on. He doesn't need it. You know, there's times I'd like to not have mine on either. I'll be honest with you, but that's a side comment. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 10. And I want you to check this out. There's a lot of revelation in this. And many, everybody say many, many. will be offended, will betray one another. They're going to turn on each other and will hate one another. Do you know what the word many in Greek means? It means majority. Let me read this word with that revelation in the Greek. We go to the Greek because that's the original interpretation, and it's what, it's what we really need to focus on, what the intent was in Scripture. And the majority will be offended. Wow. And the majority will betray one, each, uh, one another. And the majority will hate one another. The majority. So what we're learning here is that when we live the value system of Jesus, we will be in the minority, not the majority. Many are called, but few are chosen. So what does it take for me to be the chosen? I've got to understand that I'm part of the called. I'm part of the chosen. Many are called, but, but few are chosen. Well, I've got to understand that this is, it starts with me. And I've got to live this. Jesus says it like this in Luke 17, 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
In other words, are you responsible for initiating offense towards one another? If I flip somebody, the bird, when I'm driving, I am responsible. And the Bible says, woe to me if I'm in that position of sin. Can I tell you what the Lord is challenging me on? My greatest strength, I'm a mouthpiece. I love to communicate. It's my passion. I love people. Liz does not need people as much as I do. It's just a fact. I need, I'm people, 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 people. And then at home, I just, I'm like, okay, quiet. That's how I roll. I'm like, I'm all, I'm all about that. And I love to talk. But God has been challenging me as I'm rolling the tape at night. I do this in the shower. I roll the tape of things that I discuss with people. And, you know, I love conversing with people. But the Lord has been convicting me of things that have been coming out of my mouth and saying, if you want to be a mouthpiece, you cannot have it both ways. A double-minded person receives nothing from me. So watch what comes out of your mouth. You may ask, well, what's wrong with being offended? Proverbs 18 Verse 19 says, a brother wronged, by the way, or a sister, is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. It means it's like a massive blockage that you'll have with somebody that you offend, and it'll be hard to reach. You know, it's, it's just it, when, when, once they're offended and twisted, you ever get twisted with somebody, and then they try to be nice to you, and you're like, get away from me. <laughs> barred gates of a citadel right there. You end up putting up walls when you're offended, and you can't receive from people when you're offended. And you oftentimes can't receive from God when you're offended. Today, I'm going to give you four principles that are challenging, but they'll make you happy and effective in being a salt and a light to the world when you apply them. Can I tell you all this? If you're not reaching somebody as a salt and a light to the world, you're not going to be living the fullness of joy. Because there's tremendous joy in taking these values and reaching people. We're called to be victors. We're called to be light, a salt and a light to the world. So I want to encourage you with this, four principles of being salt and light to the world. The first one is we choose to overlook offense. And if you're taking notes, write that down. I'm going to give you three scripture verses. Proverbs 10 verse 12, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Take that to heart right there. Proverbs 12, verse 16, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. But wise people, they ignore insults. Blow them off. Flat out blow them off. Proverbs 19, 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It speaks to your character when you overlook an offense. Listen, these are, these are tough to apply. These can only happen when you're spirit-led and not led by your emotions. What is it when you cuss at somebody right back when they cuss at you? That's emotion, and it's flesh, and it's not of the Lord. We need to pause and roll the tape of the outcome of our response before we react. Play the tape of what it'll look like if you react in the flesh. Because can I tell you something? We never know what somebody's going through or where that hurt or pain comes from. You don't know what that person's been dealing with. You don't know what that mama's been dealing with that's driving on the road and she's all over the place and you're going, what an idiot. And maybe she is driving like an idiot. But you never know what she dealt with or what she's dealing with. Maybe she's a single mom struggling to make ends meet. We're supposed to be people of compassion. 
We're supposed to be people of prayer that pray for those that, that wrong us. Is this a spirit response or is it a flesh response? And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. I want to talk about this word empathy. Empathy will pray for someone who's hurting and responding in the flesh. We never know what to do. I'm sorry, we never, we never know what someone is going through or what they're dealing with that invokes that response of anger, but we need to come empathetic and pray for our enemies. I'm going to give you this quote if you're taking notes that love looks past behavior and imagines the pain in their life. God is calling us to a different response towards persecution. The second one in four principles of being a salt and light to the world is keep my heart free from unforgiveness. I've, I've talked about unforgiveness so many times during these values because it's so key to keep your heart clear. Because we know that bitterness defiles everything and nothing will rob us of, of creativity and vision like unforgiveness. It'll plug up your worship and your ability to connect with God. Remember in the Lord's Prayer in Luke eleven four, and forgive our sins for we have forgiven those who sinned against us. In other words, release them and forgive them so that we can be forgiven ourselves. In other words, Lord, forgive me for I'm in the process of the same. We need to decide that we're going to forgive people before they ever hurt us. Well, I was yet a sinner. You forgave me of my sins. This is so powerful. Colossians 3 verse 13, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you so that you would forgive others. Jesus made an allowance for my sin at the cross, and so I must do the same for others. I love this quote. Louis B. Swade said this quote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was actually me or you. Can I read that again? To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was actually me. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we would have that response towards each other, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Trying to ruin my day. Not today, devil. No. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Now, Jesus calls us to yet another level. In these four principles of being a salt and light to the world, the third one, and I call this the trifecta, the spiritual trifecta. Can we call that that today? We're going to pray, we're going to bless, and we're going to do good to them. Everybody say that with me. We're going to pray, we're going to bless, and we're going to do good to them. Yeah, I'm not talking about praying that they would have hemorrhoids. I'm talking about praying for them. I'm talking about genuinely getting into our prayer closet and travailing for people. Bawling before Jesus and saying, God, when you say travail, what does that mean? I'm talking, you get passionate with God. Lord, they need you. I pray that they would come to the saving knowledge. Jesus, Liz and I, we just did this with the Lord the other day when we were in the car, just praying for somebody that we could see was struggling. We could just see it when we were on the road. Spiritual trifecta, we're going to pray for them, we're going to bless them, and we're going to do good to them. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 38 to 41. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat. 
If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles. In Matthew 5, verse 43 to 44, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When they're talking smack about you, when they're hating, haters going to hate, go ahead and pray for them and bless them and release blessings on them. Listen, what you sow is what you reap. I had a pastor friend who went to a Bible school. He was at a coffee shop reading the Bible, and he had a Muslim friend that it was, it was, he was going to a secular university, and they would meet up and have lunches kind of in the same area. And the Muslim saw him reading his Bible one day, and he said to him, he goes, you know what? Um, you don't really believe that. You don't really believe what you're reading, and you don't really believe, you don't really believe the values that you're reading right there. He goes, yes, I do. This guy's studying to be a pastor. He goes, of course I do. He goes, no, you don't, and I can prove it. He goes, okay, I dare you prove it. And the Muslim gentleman reads, this is a true story. This is a friend of mine. I'm, I'm telling you that this is, this is a fact. He goes and he reaches over the coffee table and he slaps him in the face. And I'm talking a hard slap. And the, the pastor in Bible school, he looks at him and he goes, what was that? And he goes, go ahead, turn the other cheek. <laughs> See, you don't really believe it now, do you? And he goes, ah, as is, you know, the Bible, that's what the Bible says. Guys, we're going to have tests. The moral of that story, we're going to have tests in this, and it's going to be painful, but we got to bite our tongue. we got to holster that, that banana, you Christian, and understand that we're in a test of the emergency broadcast. Are we really going to live this? Are we for real? This is the same Sermon on the Mount, but different gospel. In Luke, Jesus said this, Luke 6, verse 27 to 28. Same story, y'all. But to you who are listening I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Are we giving you enough scripture that we're drilling at home? We need to stop cursing people. We need to start blessing people. You can curse things that operate in people, but you got to bless the person. In other words, when I see hate coming out of somebody, when I see unrighteousness, I can curse the unrighteousness, but i got to bless the person. You can say, I rebuke that word that was spoken over me in the name of Jesus. And by the way, Lord, I, I bless them and I pray for them and I will show love to them. You see why there's nine values here that we can love people and stand firm? Do you know that we're actually standing firm by loving them? There's an amazing revelation in that. First Peter 3 verse 9. Do not do wrong to repay a wrong, and do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing, because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. God is watching our response. In Romans 12, verse 17 to 21, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody, even your enemies. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Can I tell you, God vindicates and, and takes care of it so much better than we do. You want justice, leave it up to the Lord. We're called to love and bless. Let God handle the rest. That almost sounded poetic. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. I want to read you a story. There's a gentleman by the name of Rudyard Kipling, and he's the author of The Jungle Book. And he wrote this letter to his son, and this is powerful stuff. I'm going to try to keep a dry eye when I read this. And I'm going to read it slow so that you can really get it, and it's going to be on the screen here. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise, if you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you could fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. That's huge. That is a brilliant letter. And there's so much in it that it's hard to really fathom the depths of that just by reading it once or twice. I've, I probably read it 15 times this week. And I read it like I was his son. Because that's huge. And this is my prayer for us today. My prayer is that we can grow from being spiritual infants to mature Christians and take on every one of these values that we've studied in this nine-week series. And the last point, in my opinion, is the single greatest key to having happiness on the planet Earth. Remembering that these moments that we sow into are greater than these moments on Earth itself. And the fourth one, in being a salt and a light to the world, is remember the eternal reward. Matthew 5, verse 11 to 12. I'll read this again. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's nearly impossible to not get mad when people are insulting you and falsely accusing you and slandering you. Man, Liz and I, we've lived this a lot even in ministry. But guys, we've got we've to just basically say, I am of no reputation. I'm sowing into my eternal ward and turn the other cheek. Paul has amazing moral authority to speak on this because he was brutalized. Guys, Paul went through it. Paul was persecuted so strong, he received five times the 39 stripes that Jesus received. He was snake bit. He was, he was locked up in prison. And yet, here's what he has the audacity to say to us as a true apostle. You know, everybody wants to be an apostle, but, you know, I, well, a lot of people say today in modern day, you know, as it's convenient, like it's the next notch, I want to be an apostle. But here's what it really means. When, when he, was, he was given those 39 stripes times five of what Jesus did and snake bitten and imprisoned, yet he has the audacity with his character to say this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed. I might be confused about what's going on right now, 
but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. God's with me. I'm struck down, but you cannot destroy me. You may be thinking, how does Paul say all this after all that he was going through? Here's what he says. He takes it even deeper in his response. He says in 2 Corinthians verse 4, 17 and 18, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far weighs them all. And here's the question I want to ask you and everybody who's listening online. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. If there's anything that you focus on, I want you to focus on this. Is your earth more important than your heaven? Because if your earth outweighs your heaven, it's going to kick your tail. Well, we were trying to make sure that the stars aligned this morning in order to come to church. There's people that are right now living the message and living these characters that are in Afghanistan, that if they hear a knock on the door, they're frightened because when they open that door, they could have their head blown off for the purpose of Jesus. But in America, I see so many empty chairs. If you come to Hope Covenant Church, you need to get here. I understand it's a holiday. I'm not angry, but I am sure frustrated because it says, do not forsake the assembling. In other words, get back to church. Because you can't trade what God does in this room, and last week proved it. I don't want you to miss out. You say, why are you so passionate? And I am passionate, and I make no apology for it. Because, guys, when you get all up in the glory of God, and he starts to move through you, and there's a demonstration of something that you just felt that happens in this room, and you take it out to the world, we can change the narrative. You go... I'm the minority, though. Yes, and you're not a victim. You're a victor. And when you live these principles, you will change the world. Jesus had only 12 disciples. 12. Think about the population versus 12. Think about the population of the disciples that are in this room versus the population of society. It starts with me. I want to give a moment. And just put our hands together for all the missionaries and all the people that are overseas that are working hard and going through real persecution. Today I want to end with this and I'm going to pray. I want to repent for our passivity and our lukewarm Christianity. We're not living red hot and on fire for Jesus. I want to say this. It's, it's huge when you make the decision. That no matter what the cost, even just coming to church on a Sunday morning and walking through the doors and saying, God, I'm here and I want to show my faithfulness. This isn't a commercial for church. This is a commercial for your character. I don't want people here to say I have the biggest church. I want the biggest God to be demonstrated through each of us and you would encounter him. One moment in his presence will change and do what I can't do in just years and years and years of teaching. Father, we pray for just that moment right now where we can encounter your glory and be convicted of every one of these values that you taught in the Beatitudes. Father, I thank you that the greatest form of evangelism is to be a carrier of your presence and your character. And Lord, I ask right now as we're sitting here that you would convict us. Convict us, God, of any area that we need to character adjust to live these values. 
And I thank you, God, that when we do that, we experience an overwhelming amount of joy. And I thank you, God, for your joy to be released on every one of us, even as we make this decision that we're going to look like you and that we're going to live like you. Jesus, we want more of you. Would you say this today? Say, Jesus, I repent for every area that I don't look like you. And I thank you, God, that you're changing me, that I would look like you, and that I would be a carrier, that I would be a salt and a light to the world. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you shout amen and put your hands together. Thank you guys for joining with us. Thank you for watching us. We're dismissed this morning. I can't wait to fellowship with you guys afterwards. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc, and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.